You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. My privilege to welcome you today to Gospel City Church. I've been, I've been waiting to say that to you for, for two weeks, okay? And uh, if you have your Bibles today, you can take them out. I want you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be in verses 37 through 47, all right? And uh, if you were here last week, Pastor Tyler Holder did a fantastic job at bringing you a message uh, from Matthew chapter 5. He talked about how we are the salt of the earth. He said that we can delay the decay of the unregenerate world around us. Love that. And then he also said that uh, we are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said about you and I if we follow Jesus. That, um, to, and, and specifically, Tyler was talking about if we combine our individual lights, we will have a greater light to shine into the darkness of this world that desperately needs Jesus. And if you didn't know, this entire month, we're really focusing on this idea of biblical community, okay? Specifically, our togetherness as the body of Christ. And Tyler did a great job last week at bringing you the why of biblical community. Today, we're going to get real practical. I want to bring you the how of biblical community as we see it in the early church in Acts chapter two, okay? And so we're gonna get real specific. I got 10 foundations for gospel community from Acts chapter two today, all right? And uh, here's the thing. Some of you are doing a fantastic job of this in our church, all right? Some of you are... Are, are killing this, okay? You're leaning in, you're loving people, uh, you're doing all of this well. Here's my, here's my desire. Would you lean in and help reaffirm some of the things we're talking about today? It might not be new to you, uh, but, but I would suspect that you would love this conversation, okay? And then for some of us too, I think we can always get a jump start to this. Uh, we always need to be convicted more of this. We can always dive in a little deeper when it comes to biblical community. So let me encourage you to lean in and be asking the Lord, how he wants you to move, how he wants you to step concerning this uh, biblical community that we're talking about, okay? But here's my desire. When we get to the end of this message, uh, my desire is that you would know, we would all embrace the call to know and be known in real gospel community the way that God intended it. All of us could use a little more of that, right? And so my encouragement to you is that you would lean into this. And here's the thing. Your faith was not meant to be lived in isolation, all right? You can't grow as a disciple of Jesus if you're not known, all right? Disciples of Jesus are known by the bride of Jesus. So the less known that you are, the more stalled your discipleship will be. Okay, so we got 10 points this morning. We gotta, I'm gonna have to hustle, okay? So if you're with me, hold on to your seat. You say, let's go. If you're ready, can you say, let's go? Let's go. All right, here we go. Number one is this, gospel community is first a response to the gospel, okay? Gospel community is first a response to the gospel. We're gonna pick it up in verse 37 of Acts chapter two. Let me give you a quick thing. So Luke wrote the book of Acts. All right, and Peter is preaching on this day, the day of Pentecost in the city of Jerusalem, all right? And uh, he's preaching a lights out sermon. Like he's being some serious salt and light this day to everybody within earshot. And the Holy Spirit was showing up in church that day. All in favor of the Holy Spirit showing up in church? Absolutely, okay, so let's pick it up in 37. Here's what it says. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? 
And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So if you notice, after Peter gets done preaching this great message, this message of Jesus, it says that the, those who were hearing it were cut to the heart. Some things happened that day. Do you remember when the message of Jesus cut to your heart? Can you think about that day? You know, I think about it. I was, a, I was like five years old coming home from Awana's and something was going on in my heart and I didn't know what to do with it. I remember going to my dad and being like, dad, I was young, but I was like, what do I do with this? Something cut to my heart. Do you remember the day when Jesus cut to your heart? I believe there's people here, even this morning, where the message of Jesus is cutting to your heart. It has been cutting to your heart. And you're like the people in Acts who are saying, what shall we do with this? Like, what do I do with this message? I keep coming back to church because I'm, I'm interested, but what do I do with this? Notice what Peter said. The first thing he exhorts them to do is to repent, all right? Everyone needs to repent. We all are called to repent. Uh, repentance is simply this, turning from your sin. The truth is, you and I are born into a broken world. Uh, we have uh, a, a broken flesh in our souls and we're heading headlong towards destruction in our own direction, doing what we want to do. And God in his grace, because of what Jesus did at the cross, that message, when it intersects our heart, we start to feel something. We start to feel a conviction. And then with that conviction, when we start to ask, what shall we do? God gives us the grace to then confess our sin, to turn the other direction and God puts us on a path toward righteousness. That's what repentance looks like. Have you repented of your sins? But also look what uh, Peter exhorts them to do. He says, repent and be baptized. Uh, follow Jesus. Um, die to yourself. Walk in new life. We had a great example of that last week when 16 people stood up here and they, they, they shared their story of who they were before Jesus when Jesus intersected their life, cut to their heart, right? And then they responded in repentance and started to follow Jesus. They were plunged underwater as if to say the old is gone and when they were raised, they were raised to walk in new life, the life of Jesus. Do you remember when that happened in your life? You should have fond memories of that this morning. Uh, also, he said, uh, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Every single one of us need the forgiveness of our sins. It doesn't matter how bad you've been, how many bad things you've done. I think it can be easy to say, man, I've done too many things to be worthy of forgiveness. No, God says, I love you enough that I put all of your sin on my beloved son who never did anything wrong and I stand with open arms waiting to forgive you. Some of us probably think, man, I've known Jesus my whole life haven't really done a lot of bad, grew up in the church. I, I don't really see my need for forgiveness. I get it collectively, but my need, listen, all of us need the forgiveness of sins. Whether you know it or not, you were born with brokenness in your soul, falling short of the glory of God. And God calls us all to respond to this great message of Jesus, to repent of our sins and to receive the forgiveness of sins. That's available here in this place even today, but 
Peter goes on, he says, not only do you get the forgiveness of your sins when you follow Jesus, but come and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God loves to give good gifts, amen? He doesn't only give us his grace, but he gives us his spirit. He wants to put his spirit inside of you. Your hope of living a life worthy of God is dependent upon the spirit of God. The Bible says that uh, the Holy Spirit is our helper. In Ezekiel, it says that I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my ways and be careful to obey my laws. We can't do it on our own, and yet God wants to give us the means at which we can live a life worthy of him. Hopefully this morning, you're remembering the days where that took place in your heart, but the truth be told, there are some of you here today, some of us here today, are being cut to the heart by the message of Jesus, but we're asking still, what shall I do with it? Let me just encourage you. You can repent right there in your seat. You can begin to allow this to work out this morning right where you're at, but your faith will not grow in isolation. You gotta tell somebody. And I think that's the mistake we sometimes make. We come into the house of God, we let God do some work on our hearts, and yet we keep it hidden. We don't allow our light to shine like Tyler talked about last week and we leave this place and it never starts to take root. My encouragement to you, let the Lord work on you this morning, but please come talk to a pastor after the service, find somebody that you love, find somebody that you trust, tell them what God is doing in your heart. But check out what happens going on in verse 40. And with many other words, Peter was still preaching. He bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people responding to the message of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? God loves to add souls to the bride of Christ. God loves to do that. But man, think about 3,000 people in one place saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a part of this new family. That could not have been, like that had to be so overwhelming. Imagine if 3,000 people showed up on top of this this morning. I'd probably be pretty pumped, but man, our parking lot crew would be freaking out, right? <laughs> our children's ministry would be freaking out a little bit, okay? Uh, but Man, how did 3,000 people find real and meaningful community that was going to allow this newfound faith to grow and stir in their hearts? Well, we're gonna, we're gonna see that they began to meet in one another's homes, in smaller groups. And, and God gets very specific with the way that these uh, Christ followers acted whenever they got together. How did 2,000 people that show up here on any given Sunday, any given weekend, how do we find real and meaningful and purposeful community? We call them small groups here at our church. And you're gonna see this morning that they need to be very intentional. And the reason that we have these smaller groups is so that our faith can grow and be the kind of faith that God has called us to. Looking, point number two. Let me give it to you. Gospel community is devoted to scripture, all right? Gospel community is devoted to scripture. We pick it up in verse 42. God uh, gets really specific with this now, and it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, all right? The apostles' teaching 
includes everything that Jesus had spoken when he was on earth, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, They, of course, were observing the Old Testament, uh, but much of the New Testament was being recorded as the apostles were teaching. So for you and I, uh, the apostles' teaching that they were devoting themselves to every time they gathered together was the Bible. It's the Bible for you and I. This book that I get to hold in my hand. This isn't something that I have to hold. It's not my duty to hold this. I get to hold this book in my hand. It's the very words of God breathed out on paper for you and I. Isn't that awesome? And this is what the word of God says uh, about itself. The word of God reproves, it corrects, it trains in righteousness. Has anybody reached the pinnacle of righteousness in the room today? Hopefully not. I've definitely not. I could use some training in righteousness. I need the word of God in my life. It never returns void. It stands forever. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces and it cuts. It says this, it has all that we need for life and godliness. Our small groups are, and they need to be, and they have to be a place constantly devoted to the word of God because it alone is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Uh, I can't think of a time where my small group has gathered and we have not read aloud God's word together. If anything that we constantly and consistently do, when we get together, we open our Bibles to a passage and we go around the circle and everybody reads a couple verses and we read and let God's word speak aloud in our gathering. That's so important, man. We cannot uh, forsake the words that God has said. Certainly we do studies. Certainly we devote ourselves to different, you know, studies that have principles. But man, those principles have to be uh, anchored and rooted in the word of God or else it's not worth our time. This is the standard. I was at Barnes and Noble yesterday with my daughter, Reese, and we were looking at the display of religious books. I said to Reese, Reese, you think there's a lot of good books about Jesus in this stage? on this wall? And she said, yeah. I said, uh, there are, and there's some really bad ones, but what's the standard at which we view all of these books? She's like, I don't know what you mean. I said, what's the only true book that we would ever say is all true? She said, the Bible. I said, that's right. If it's not anchored in this, it's garbage, right? So this has to be the standard. Let's go to point number two. The gospel community is formed in fellowship. Gospel community is formed in fellowship. Notice in verse 42, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Uh, They weren't just in fellowship, but they were devoted to it. They were committed to it. They were being formed by this word fellowship. That word has kind of been watered down in our culture. I find myself all the time praying, Lord, would you bless uh, our fellowship together as we're like, you know, I might be sitting down to have lunch or, uh, you know, just casual conversation. There's aspects of that true. I think sometimes we say like a Super Bowl party is fellowship. Hey guys, come on over for the Super Bowl. We're gonna have some great fellowship together. Probably some aspects of fellowship in there, right? Uh, I also think about a fellowship hall. Anybody grow up in a church with a fellowship hall? Right, you think about stale cookies and punch and uh, me nudging my brother not to eat the deviled eggs because the cat lady might have made them. (laughs) Just my church. Uh, 
but you just assume that what takes place in a fellowship hall is real biblical fellowship, right? And yet often the conversation never went a whole lot deeper than surface level. It was pretty casual. That wasn't the kind of fellowship that was Uh, that these early Christ followers were committing themselves to. The Greek word for this word fellowship, you've heard this a million times, it's koinonia, okay? Uh, The verb tense koineo, and it means this, um, sharing, participation, to share in common. It's a common sharing of the life of God in our souls. And here's the thing, when these people were saying yes to following Jesus, two things happen. God first brings them into fellowship with himself. We once were separated from the God who created us, but because of Jesus, all who call upon the name of Jesus are brought into fellowship with God. And once you're in fellowship with God, there's no getting out. Doesn't mean you're perfect, no. Uh, But God gives you the means to continually repent and to continually come back to him, get your eyes back on him. You are in fellowship with God. Nothing can pluck you from his great hand. But God does something else. He also brings us into fellowship with one another, specifically believers, okay? And uh, here's, this is awesome. Like you were once living in darkness, but God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. These believers were now living a life that was different than what they once were. Does it mean that we forget everybody who's outside of the light? No, absolutely not. They need the message of Jesus, but our lives begin to look a whole lot different when we start to follow Jesus than they did before we did, right? We need this, and, and, and 1 John 1, 7 says this, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That's what was taking place in these early gospel communities. They were setting their minds, setting their hearts to walk in the light together. I think the best way to describe uh, this word fellowship and what we would do in our small groups is what we call mutual ministry, okay? so. Our men's groups do this, our women's groups do this. Uh, If you're in a family small group, I trust that you're doing this, but men get with men and women get with women. And that's a place for you to be known. You start to earn the trust over time of these people. These people care for your soul. And over time you learn that you can be honest in that setting and you can be loved in that setting. You can say, man, this is my biggest area of temptation. Or, man, I, I messed up this week in these areas. And you're not condemned there. And certainly we don't dump off all of our sins so that grace can abound. That's a place where we have each other's backs and where we help each other walk in the light and where we say to each other, I'm gonna pray for you this week and I'm gonna check up on you this week. That's fellowship. That's a place to be known. That's a place where we are committed to this soul-deepening, soul-satisfying relationship that forms us. And the beauty of fellowship is that you were never meant to carry all the things that come in this life alone. God promises to help you. He's with you. But he's given us one another to carry it with. Point number four is this, gospel community is centered around the table, okay? Gospel community is centered around the table. Again, in verse 42, that they were also devoting themselves to the breaking of bread. 
In verse 46, if you jump down, day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Why would uh, the author tell us about this breaking of bread? Two things were happening, okay? The first one is this. Every time they were getting together, they were receiving the Lord's Supper. Every t- scholars believe that the early church, every time they sat down to have a meal, they may have taken communion together. Why would they do that? Because the basis, the reason for their gathering, the, the, the reason for their fellowship, the reason for their gathering at the table was because of what Jesus had done at the cross. The breaking of his body and the blood that was shed on behalf of our sins is what brings us into fellowship with one another even this morning. Sinners saved by grace. We find things in common and and you may not take communion every time you go to your small group, but man, hopefully your eyes and your thoughts are on the cross. Hopefully the reason for your gathering is because of what Jesus has done in our lives. But something else was going on. They were actually having a family style meal together whenever they gathered together. So they're inviting one another into their homes and they're cooking meals for one another and they're sitting down, they're looking at each other in the eyes and they're eating together. I think God loves to get stuff done at the dinner table. I just, I just believe that. I think that's why this is important. Let me tell you about a couple tables that I'm a part of, okay? I get to be a part of a table at my home every single week. Now, my life can, can look and feel a little crazy sometimes. I feel like my wife and I look at our calendars and we're like, man, we got something every night of the week. But my wife constantly, faithfully reminds me of the importance of sitting down to a dinner table with our family at least a couple nights a week. Why? Because it's at the dinner table that we look to one another. We serve one another. We eat together. We prefer one another. I read this article in the Washington Post, okay? Uh, Not a Christian article, nothing to do with Jesus. Listen to what it says. Kids who eat dinner with their parents experience less stress and have a better relationship with them. This daily mealtime connection is like a seatbelt for traveling the potholed road of childhood and adolescence and all its possible risky behaviors. Not perfectly, right? But younger kids who eat dinner at the table with their parents are shown to have a more developed vocabulary earlier. Uh, Teenagers who eat dinner at the table with their families are shown to have better grades. And all of that's without Jesus at the table. Like when I sit down at the table with my family, it's a time for us to thank God for the good gifts that he gives. It's a time for us to thank our mom for graciously and creatively building a meal so that we can sit down to it. It's a place for us to prefer one another, to serve one another. My girls love to go and get drinks for our table and set the table. Uh, It's a place for us to laugh together, to ask one another about each other's day. And I'm banking on the fact that by sitting down with my family a couple nights a week and breaking bread together, Jesus is gonna do something in their hearts and in their lives in the future. Here's another table that I'm a part of. Look at this picture. These are some of my friends, okay? Uh, on the, your left here is Matt and Javion, my daughter Reese and me and Corey and Braylon and that's my man Devin and Dwayne and Isaiah and Sam and Trey in the front and Veronte and Zondre, okay? These are guys that I regularly sit at the table with, okay? Uh, at Iron Sharpens Iron, ISI, this ministry in South Bend. Um, 
There is uh, a lot of guys like that, a lot of girls who meet Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. My night happens to be on Tuesday nights, okay? So when I go on Tuesday night, the first thing that we do uh, is sit at a round table. I sit with guy, all, most of those guys. We sit at a table and we have a meal together. The person on the left serves the person on the right, puts it on our plate. Uh, we look at each other in the eyes. We talk about our highs for the week and our lows for the week. We laugh a lot because they're like the funniest guys I've ever been around, okay? And whether they know it or not, that's a gospel community for me. I'm at that table because of what Jesus is doing in my heart and in my life, okay? But recently, I got to interview a bunch of them for a video we're trying to make. And I asked them, like, what's, why do you come to ISI? What's your favorite thing about this ministry? And all of them said one of their favorite things about ISI was sitting at a table and eating together. Why is that? Because it's at the table that we become family. It's at the table where we can, for a moment, get our eyes off of ourselves and onto somebody else. That doesn't come naturally to us, but when it happens, man, it is good. And here's the thing. When you're willing to sit down at the table with people who are far different than you, and like these guys, they've experienced things that I have not experienced. I'd like to think that I've experienced some things that they maybe haven't. We're different in a lot of ways, but when you're willing to sit down at the table with people who are different than you, I truly believe, because I'm experiencing it, that you will begin to see Jesus in ways you never thought possible. You are robbing yourself if you're not willing to sit down at the table with people who are far different than you. And I'm thankful for the ways that I'm seeing Jesus in these young boys. And I'd like to think that over time they might see Jesus in me. All right? Point number five is this. Gospel community is fervent in prayer. Gospel community is fervent in prayer. One more for uh, Acts 2.42, it says that they devoted themselves also to the prayers. They prayed together. They prayed for everything. They prayed for everyone. Prayer brings, invites the presence of God into our space. Why would we never, why would we not want to invite God's presence into our small groups, into the places that we gather? Um, God brings us together as the body of Christ with people who have different kinds of gifts. Some serve, some teach, some are hospitable, but prayer is not a spiritual gift. All of us have been invited to boldly approach God's throne in prayer. We can pray for one another, intercessing on behalf of those that we love, but this is a place where we should be seeking God together, where we should be bearing one another's burdens, where we should be praying for God to do extraordinary things in the lives of those that he has put us in biblical community with. Leads to number six though, gospel community is a front row seat to God at work. Okay, look, look what it says in verse 43. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All right, so it says they were seeing God do things. They were seeing God answer prayers. It says that awe came upon their souls. They were awestruck. They were astonished at the soul level. The deepest part of who we are is our soul. And when awe hits your soul, you get fuel for your worship, okay? And, and these guys, man, 
They're praying for God to do extraordinary things. They're praying for God to heal those that they love. They're praying for God to meet needs that are big needs. And God was showing up and doing it. In in Acts, in this apostolic age, this age of the new Christians, right? There seems to be a heightened level of signs and wonders taking place. Like they were healing people. Deaf could see, or deaf could hear. Uh, The lame could walk. (laughs) The blind could see, right? One after the other, people were being healed. Signs and wonders were happening and it was stirring worship in their hearts to God. Now, I don't know that I see the same, like, amount and kinds of signs and wonders and the frequency happening in our church as it was in the early church, but I certainly see God on the move. I certainly see God doing some wondrous things. In my small group alone, listen to this, we've seen brokenness restored. We've seen jobs gotten. We've seen babies born. We've seen needs provided for. We've seen hurt cared for. And you can call those whatever you want, but man, they are wonders in my heart that stir my affections to worship Jesus. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I'm not seeing any of that happen in my community. Man, I'm not seeing those things in our church. I don't hear about those things. I would say, are you known in a community of believers? You can come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and you can never belong. Remember your faith, your worship, your prayer life, none of those things will be stirred and grow in isolation. This is a call to know and be known in real gospel community. Let's keep going. Number seven, gospel community is built on commonality, okay? Look in verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. All who believed were together had all things in common. I read recently about Paul's missionary journey. When Paul was uh, sailing around and he was preaching the gospel, he was seeing Gentiles saved. He was seeing Jewish people saved. Paul didn't take the Gentiles and put them in a church of Gentiles and the Jewish people and put them in a Jewish church. What Paul did was he took the Gentile, right? And he put them right there in the middle of the Jewish people with all their differences and all their dysfunction and all their arguments about who could eat meat and who couldn't eat meat. Why? Because the new foundation of their relationship was Jesus Christ. This phrase uh, that we have all things in common, it has very little to do with temporal things and everything to do with eternal value. The reason for our gathering, not everybody in my small group is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, okay? Like we got Ohio State fans, we got Notre Dame fans, we got Kentucky fans, we got an Australian guy who's a big fan of cricket. Love you, mate. (laughs) But not all of us are the exact same. But man, we have one thing in common. Jesus has saved our souls. Jesus has saved our souls. And listen, the more I've been in this biblical community thing, the more I've been following Jesus, the more I learn. I was thinking these thoughts. Relationships will always change with the seasons of life because we often build relationships off of the commonality of hobbies and personalities and likes. Life has a way of taking our hobbies from us though, doesn't it? Like there's things, man, that I used to do before I had four kids 
hang out with people that I have fond memories of till two in the morning. And now I'm just like hoping to go to bed by nine o'clock at night every night. <laughs> right? Like life changes things. But here's the thing. Uh, Gospel community is something not based on hobbies and personalities, but on the one unchanging commonality of the love of Christ compelling us and spurring us on to love and good works together. You're robbing yourself if you're not willing to sit down with people who are different than you. And here's a challenge. Some of us need to make our small groups a little more accessible to people that we don't feel like fit in as well. Okay, our small groups are never meant to be a place where we all feel like we fit perfectly together. Our small groups are a place where founded on Jesus, we have open hands and open arms to love all that God would send and bring our way. We have commonality in Christ, but here's on the other side of that, some of us need to get over the fact that we probably won't always find the perfect place to fit in. Like we may not be able to find a small group where everybody's in the same season of life as I am. And, and while that may be true, there's people in those small groups who have probably walked through some of the things that you might find yourself walking through right now. And aren't we so much stronger together, right? So much stronger together. And so let's think about that. Gospel community is built on the commonality of eternal value, Jesus changing lives. Number eight, gospel community is generous for the good of others. Gospel community is generous for the good of others. Let's pick it up in uh, verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all who had any need. A gospel community takes care of its people. And let me just say, I think our church does an awesome job at this, okay? Our church like rocks the meal train. You stub your toe, you're probably getting a meal from our church, okay? <laughs> we hear about it all the time. Like uh, babies are born or people are in the hospital or people are sick or different ministries. Like our church is providing meals. A lot of times we don't even hear about the need our, as pastors because our small groups are doing such a great job at taking care of one another. That's how it should be in the body of Christ. If there's a need, we meet it. Now, these people were selling their possessions. Some people have said like, that's like early communism. Uh, they, they couldn't have anything. No, that wasn't true. They had homes. They were inviting people into homes, but they were selling things that they didn't need so that they could help the people who had specific needs because they love them, right? And, and so should it be with us. Uh, last week, my family had to travel to Pittsburgh. My wife had to drive. We've been having some van issues. And right around the time we were leaving, we were having a van issue. So I went from having one car in my driveway that was working, but we definitely couldn't take it because it was too small, to having four vehicles in my driveway that were all working and one friend who was insisting me that I should take his vehicle because it was better for my situation and better for my wife to drive. Like that's generosity, man. That is the body of Jesus Christ. I was so blessed by that. Did I feel a little weird making my need known? Yeah, uh, but was it a blessing for him? It was like no sweat for him to say, dude, take my van. That is generosity. That is the body of Christ. When we meet one another's needs and that need wouldn't have been known had I not said anything to people that I love and people that I trust. Where are you going? with your needs? Where are you going 
when you need a meal? Where are you going when you need someone to be generous in your life? My brother-in-law, he says often, never suppress a generous feeling or a generous impulse. Uh, Galatians uh, 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in doing good, but as often as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those within the household of faith, especially those in our gospel community, amen? Number nine is this, gospel community is, com- is a commitment you must continually make. Look in verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food and with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. It says day by day, every day, they were getting together in these groups. We're only asking you to be in one group outside of Sunday morning, okay? One group where you can know and be known in gospel community. But notice that it says that they were attending, right? If you're committed to community, you have to attend. None of the, there was no half-hearted attendance going on in the early church. That wasn't going to cut it, right? Uh, so we can't say we're in a small group and never show up to small group. Got to show up to small group if we're in a small group. That's how we are known among our brothers and sisters. But they were attending together, founded on Jesus, open to what God wanted to do. And listen, rarely will this be convenient, okay? Rarely will this be convenient. When I was a small group leader, I wanted to cancel all the time. (laughs) Now that I'm in a small group on a Monday night, a lot of times I don't want to go to small group or a lot of times I can't find a babysitter or sometimes the babysitter cancels or sometimes we just had a long, hard Monday and we don't feel like going and being vulnerable with people. But it's a commitment we must continually make. And when you make that commitment, I think the same thing that was happening in their lives happens in our hearts. They were receiving their food with gladness, with generous hearts, and they went away praising God. You wanna have gladness in your walk with Jesus? You wanna have generosity flood your heart and your life? You want to praise God with everything that you are? Be committed to things that don't always seem convenient, like small group. Some of us need to graduate probably to the next level of commitment when it comes to these gospel communities. Some of you, are trying to get in these gospel communities. There's literally a waiting list of people trying to get in small groups here at Harvest. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your steps of obedience. Please hang in there, okay? Uh, Some of us need to step up and be gospel community leaders, small group leaders. Uh, I saw a picture from Pastor Tyler Downing yesterday that 16 new leaders were being trained in Uncommon Leadership 201. Isn't that awesome? People are doing it. And, and here's our, our commitment as a church is that we will equip you. But here's the thing. A disciple is someone who gets the gospel, grows in the gospel, and gives the gospel away. So if you've got it and if you've grown in it, we promise to equip you to give it away, okay? You can get an uncommon leadership. We'll give you the tools that you need. But think about the first time that you walked into your small group. It's a little weird, but some people greeted you with open hands and they've loved you and you've built relationship over time. And it's hard to walk away from that. You never lose a piece of that. You lose some of that when you walk away. But man, there are people who need to experience the same from you 
you standing there with open arms, welcoming them in. Gospel community is a commitment continually worth making. And number 10 is this. Gospel community is attractive to a wandering world. Can you look in verse 47, the end of that, it says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We're back where we started. God loves to add souls to the bride of Christ. And listen, I believe, I truly believe humanity is looking for everything I described to you today. Whether they know it or not, they're looking for this kind of meaningful and purposeful community. That's why we have sorority groups. That's why we got CrossFit boxes where everybody loves to go there. You're one torn ligament away from being kicked out of that community, okay? <laughs> but the, the beauty of the body of Christ is, man, you can come with all of your brokenness and all of your baggage. And when you humble yourself, and jump into this community, you realize that we're all the same. We're all broken individuals trying to get our stuff together and we're in need of this person who is Jesus. And Jesus is standing there like a small group leader with open hands, open arms, waiting to have you in. And on earth, it looks like his bride, okay, his church you and I. And what we have should be so contagious and so attractive to a world that's desperately in need of Jesus because love is radiating among us for the glory of God. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. God, I thank you for your church. I thank you that we don't have to have it all together, that we just simply have to call upon the name of Jesus. Lord, I believe that your message, even in its simplest form, can cut to our hearts. So I pray this morning for those uh, who need to respond and need to remove, move on behalf of what you're doing, what you're saying in their souls. And Lord, may they even feel welcomed this morning to step forward, to make their faith known to a pastor, to somebody. We begin to see uh, our faith bloom even more in our community because of those who are saying yes and embracing the call to know and be known in the church. In Jesus' name we pray.